anyway, amen, and thank you guys. I want to say a word of thanks to our choir for being back, and, and also I want to say I'm not pretty to look at either, uh, as, far, <coughs> as far as that goes. But praise God, and thanks to Trey and his leadership for a uh, strong morning of worship, presence of the Holy Spirit, who does not have to be here, uh, <clears throat> but chooses to because he loves us, and and my prayer is that it's also because he finds hearts that are rich soil for his work here. And so we thank God for that this morning. I'm thankful for our students, uh, a huge student section over here. All is one big block, and I get to sit right in front of them and listen to them worship. And you'd be amazed. Uh, I can hear, I, you know, I love hearing everybody worship, but it's uh, powerful to sit right here and hear these voices, uh, young in their faith and in their lives, but nonetheless, just calling out to God. Thank you, guys. I'm proud of y'all. I'm proud of the effort that you make over there. and uh, that, that means something to heaven and to our church. And we've been able to worship Jesus this morning already. And if you will, take your Bible and turn with me uh, to the book of Acts in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four uh, books of the New Testament, we call them Gospels because they recount to us the good news of what Jesus uh, did. And then after that uh, is the book of Acts, so the fifth book in your New Testament. And so take your time getting there, if you will. Uh, the book of Acts is named that because uh, originally it meant the Acts of the Apostles. Once Jesus uh, had given his life on Calvary, had been laid dead for three days, Raised again by the power of God, uh, the uh, apostles of the Lord Jesus set out on his mission. Jesus was uh, exalted to heaven to take his hand, to take his place at the right hand of God, seated there and enthroned there. No longer um, a, a frail uh, one who walked our world, who took nails into his hands, but risen and reigning forevermore. Uh, he presides over all the, the universe, and the Bible even says he holds it together by the word of his power. This is the Jesus we worship today. This is the Jesus that you appeal to in prayer in a place of deep need. This is the Jesus that the lost one would come and in repentance say, oh God, save me. He is powerful. He is mighty to save. And he sent forth his apostles to in the book of Acts, to carry forth his mission with the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we get this book known as the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts even <clears throat> of the Holy Spirit, as some people would love to call it. And so we're going to come to chapter 2 together today. I know we've been in a long series in Ephesians, and that has come to an end. And next week we'll be taking together the Lord's Supper. And then after that we'll start a brand new series through the life of Daniel called On the Lord's Side. Uh, but for today, we're going to be uh, on a one-time sermon in the book of Acts, chapter 2 together today. And what has happened here is uh, the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and it's showing he's showing his work all over the place. People are being filled with the Spirit. People are being saved. The, the gospel is being preached, and uh, in this setting here, men are joyful. They're just rejoicing at what has come, at what God has done, that something new has happened, that the old ways are being trapped in sin, of being captive there and helpless to get to God. It's all over with. 
and it's showing in their joy and people are preaching in one language, but the multitudes from all over are hearing the message of the gospel in their own language. It's a miracle. And some people are looking on <clears throat> and they're saying, this seems crazy. This, they must be drunk. They're dismissing this as something other than what God is doing. And so the, the apostle Peter stands up and he begins preaching a masterful sermon to these who are listening. And he addresses them as men of Israel. These are Jewish people. They are religious people. They have known the ways of God. <clears throat> and he's preaching to them because those very people who had been religious are the very ones who are dismissing this as just drunkenness, as wild emotion. And so in Chapter 2 of verse 22, we begin. If you don't have a Bible today, these words will be on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word just for you. And so we have those on the table in the back. And so don't be afraid to take those uh, at all. Uh, there's no cost to you, just a gift from our heart to yours today. Verse 22, <clears throat> Apostle Peter speaking. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and so let's stop for just a minute here. Uh, he's, he's, he's made this opening statement. He's basically told them that this Jesus of Nazareth, I love that he's still called that. It's all so new, it's just Jesus of Nazareth, the guy from Nazareth. There's talking about it in this new way, he said, you saw the, the, the works and the power that God did through him, the signs and the wonders. It happened right among you. And this Jesus was delivered up according to the what? To the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. This was not any accidental savior. This was not, oops, I got crucified. Uh, this is not uh, the will of man making this happen. God had planned this from the beginning out of love with a desire to save you. That's what's happening here. And so the Apostle Peter is going to quote from Psalm 16 here. He's going to go back, these men of Israel who would have very well known the Old Testament scriptures, he's going to prove to them that not only was Jesus attested by signs and wonders, but that he's also attested by the ancient testimony of prophetic scripture, which foresaw this long ago. And here's what he says. From Psalm 16, <clears throat> for, for David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced, my flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to death or to Hades. You will not abandon my soul to the grave or let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Now, the confusing thing about this is that David is speaking in the first person. And it sounds like that David's talking about whom? About 
himself, right? And, and so here's what Peter has to say about that. <clears throat> he says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb was with, is with us to this day. And so what can that mean? If David said in the first person, you will not abandon my soul to death, you will not let your Holy One see decay, he could not have been talking about himself. Why? Because he did in fact die and his body did see what? Decay. And his grave is with us to this day. He's telling them, listen, this is a prophetic word about Messiah to come. Being therefore a prophet, verse 30, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. This is who he's talking about, that, that he was not abandoned to death, nor did his flesh see decay. This Jesus God raised up, and of that you are all witnesses. This was not at that time just a story that everybody had heard. Many, many people had personally witnessed the living Jesus after his resurrection. He said, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. It's not that they're drunk. God himself, Jesus Christ himself, is pouring out this power for David did not ascend to the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Another prophecy about the Christ. And listen to verse 36. Here's where we're going to really uh, zero in today. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. When's the last time you used that phrase or anything like it? They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Can you hear the emotion in that plea? This is not a request like you go on the, the DMV and ask for your driver's license to be renewed, right? This is, this is a plea. They had been cut to the heart, and they, they asked him, Brothers, what must we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, listen, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day <clears throat> about 3,000 souls. And so what does the miracle of Jesus's saving power look like? I mean, what's all in this? I think we see three pictures in this text today. As we've sung the song this morning that Jesus saves, as we've seen the baptismal waters stirred with a, a life brought to him, what in the world does this involve? I think we see three areas of this. The first is this, Jesus is strong enough 
to move you. Jesus is strong enough to move you. Uh, he's strong enough to move the immovable person. I love the phrase here. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. I love that, uh, that after that, they plead with Peter, what shall we do? It's almost like they would have done anything. Just tell us what to do. It's almost as if they don't even expect there's an answer to this. Is there anything we can do? Having recognized their sin, having known how distant they are from God, but Jesus, sure enough, comes along and moves these people from being the most unlikely to be saved to a point of desperation to be reconciled to God. We see this in two ways. The first is, is that statement, they were cut to the heart. You ever cut your fingernails? Some of y'all bite your fingernails. I've, I've got a bad habit of that too, but sometimes I've cut them and I cut them too far down. What's the name for that? You cut it to the what? To the quick. Why is it called the quick, by the way? You remember the old word um, <clears throat> from, a, about a, from a baby growing its mother's belly? And the day of what? Quickening is what? When the baby begins to move, right? Quickening. It's an, old, it's an old way of saying that. When you cut yourself to the quick, guess what? You start to move, right? <laughs> I mean, you're in the wrong spot. I've cut mine so deep before it hurts and I'm only halfway done. I think I got to cut the rest of it that deep too or it's not going to be smooth. You hate to have a two-sided, like a jagged fingernail. You cut it to the quick, it hurts, doesn't it? Guys, you ever remember when you were in elementary school? I did this, maybe I'm just weird. You, find, you get a pen, somehow you get a pen, and you start sticking it through the skin of your thumb. I see a lady shaking her head, too. <laughs> just right there, usually right here. Honest, all honesty, who has done this? Okay, yeah, great. Uh, we're, guys, we're weird, aren't we? Uh, but you take that, and you got a little bit of skin here with no nerves in it you stick that pen through there and there you are in fifth grade and you're like I'm awesome right <laughs> but you can stick it too deep can't you and when you stick it too deep you feel it here's what's happening here there's a powerful event happening here that these men many of whom had known about God for a long time they had tough skin right uh, they, they, they could be pierced and poked and not feel a thing. The Lord Jesus comes along on this day. And as unlikely as they were, these 3,000 men of religious history and, and all the callousness that can come with that, the Lord Jesus looks in and he pierces them. He cuts them to the very heart. They were cut to the point of having to move. And Jesus is strong enough to move you. I don't care who you are. Jesus is strong enough to cut you to the heart and to move you. And the next thing we see here is a plea uh, to urgently be changed. Just the urgentness of this plea to be changed. You can hear the desperation there. We were in um, near Gatlinburg uh, not that long ago, and I was standing in line at a restaurant, and my youngest son, Reese, came rushing up to me and just grabbed me and just with, with just exasperated voice said, Dad, Dad. I thought something was wrong. My, my heart started racing. I thought, what's happening? Do I need to, do I need to run or do I need to help? Uh, what's the emergency here? And he pointed over to the wall, and there was a three-dimensional uh, plastic cow on the wall. And the neat thing about this cow is that the, like the ketchup and the mustard were dispensed through little tubes hanging down under the cow like udders. It was called the condiment cow. Uh, that's what it was called.
He was just transfixed by the condiment cow. We used more ketchup this day than you ought to use in a lifetime, you know. I mean, just out of the condiment cow. And so uh, on that day, I thought, man, you about to give me a heart attack, right? You came up and, and, and all of this emotion and all of this fierceness uh, in a plea to dad for the condiment cow. But on, on this day in Scripture, their plea was not an empty one. And I, I, I just wish we could have been there to hear these people, a group of men, calling out, having figured this out, having been moved by God, and just saying, brothers, what must we do? What can we do? Is there any possibility here for us to experience this? We've killed the Lord Jesus. We did it. We crucified him. He was from God. We didn't know it. Can anything be done to help us in this moment? And these 3,000 Jewish men, strong and tough and learned, all the reasons they shouldn't have been moved, were moved toward Jesus that day. I want you to know that Jesus is strong enough to move you today. And he's strong enough to move that person you're praying for. And he's strong enough to move that person you've lost hope for. You're not too tough. You're not too cool. You're not too old and experienced and ragged. You're not too far gone. Jesus has the power to cut his way into your heart. If you need to be saved this morning in this room or hearing this many years later somewhere else, maybe long after I'm gone, you, somebody may hear this. If you need to be saved this morning or if you just want to be closer and more useful to God, it's time to respond when he moves. He's faithful to move you. Will you listen and will you respond like these guys did? Jesus is strong enough to move you. He's strong enough to move the heart of little Anna. He's strong enough to move me when I was 15 years old and lost as could be and hopeless and hurting. He grabbed me and took me and called me and praise God that he did. And he still does that today. Jesus is strong enough to move you, but he's also strong enough to cleanse you. Jesus is strong enough to cleanse you. These folks are realizing, they're awakening for the first time to the fact that they are far from God, desperately far from God. The one that God sent, the one God loved, the one God raised, they have hated and rejected and crucified. How much further from God can you get than that? I mean, how, how hopeless. Uh, it's, it's almost like the verdict is already rendered against them. They must have felt there's no way for them after what they had done. <clears throat> they must have felt hopeless and sin-soaked in this moment. But that's not unlike you and me, is it? Now, we didn't drive the nails, did we? But we are nonetheless in the same condition. We are far from God apart from Christ. We had a house fire in February, I know many of you know that, but some don't. And we did have a house fire that ruined everything. And we were sitting the other day, just recently talking about the things that we had lost. And I asked the kids, I said, you know, what's something in the fire that was just ruined by the fire? And maybe we still have it, but it's just hopelessly uh, ruined. Smoke, fire, smell. We like to relive great memories at my house. Uh, so... We, uh, <laughs> we were talking about this, and, and uh, everybody had something, and 
um, Erica mentioned a music box that I had gotten her when she was 16 years old, not that long ago, right? And so uh, when she was 16 years old, the music box just ruined. We still possess it probably somewhere, but that plastic just soaked in uh, all that smoke. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, I wouldn't have believed it, but you you can't clean it. You can't fix it. It's done. Um, Livia came running out of her bedroom and said, I lost my my Gatorade AirPods cover. Aw, right? It's a, uh, it is sad. Uh, that was significant to her. But uh, one thing that, that, I, that I, I felt that way about was a quilt. I love quilts. And I had a, a quilt with an Americana design, kind of red, white, and blue. And just, um, it was an old, <clears throat> old style cotton quilt. If you've got a quilt with polyester filling, that does not classify as a real quilt. Uh, it's got to be cotton, that heavy, cool cotton. There's nothing like just taking a quilt and unfolding it up on you, that heavy cotton. It was beautiful. It was real. Erica bought it for me uh, on a, one of our earliest anniversaries, I think. Um, and I just always hate about that quilt. And I took it to, the, to our washing machine and washed it with all the formulas you find on the Internet. I took it to the dry cleaner to the lady there. I said, here, and she just shook her head. I said, well, let's do it anyway. And she did it, and uh, it's still just, it's, it's never going to be right. It's fully soaked in with the toxins and the pollutants of the worst smelling stuff that you can imagine. It is stained through and through. These gentlemen on this day had, ha- had to have the feeling that there's nothing that can be done. You and I, friends, we enter this world as sinners and sinful. And let me promise you, we are sin-soaked. We are stained through and through. The situation is hopeless. And really, uh, apart from a miracle, there is nothing that can remove and extract that stain from our lives. Nothing at all save the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that an answer even existed to their pleadings must have surprised them. It's almost as if they, they, their hearts rejoiced in this moment. And the apostle Peter turns to them and says, there is an answer. Repent. That simply means to turn to the Lord Jesus, to turn away from your sin, to turn to Jesus, to let go of this and to take hold of this. Repent of your sins. Turn to Jesus. Be baptized. That's following Jesus Somebody gets hung up on, on the question of this, you know, do, do you have to be baptized to be saved? Does, does being baptized save you? No, it doesn't. But saved people get baptized. That's right. Saved people get baptized. Are there exceptions to this? Can Jesus save someone who for some reason is not baptized? He did so with the thief on the cross, right? So this is, this is possible, and I'm not drawing a, a, rigid, uh, a rigid connection here, but I am saying to you that this is a part of following Jesus here. You repent, you turn to Jesus, you be baptized, you follow Jesus. Why is this the answer? Because, the, because only the power of Jesus can accomplish this. Some people say, well, that's very exclusive, it's very snobby. For y'all to say that Jesus is the only way. What about all the other world religions? That's very unkind of you. You You know, you shouldn't do that. But is it wrong, friends, to see a world in hopeless lostness, in need to be reunited with their creator and their maker, 
the lover of their souls? Is it wrong to see that and to know for certain that there is one Savior, that when that need was great, there was only one found who could even possibly meet it? None others could do it. He alone could do it. And that when he did do it, and the offer of salvation stands, is it wrong to say that that is so? And is it loving to say that it isn't so? Is it loving to say, well, sure, you can go your own way. Far be it from me to be exclusive. Far be it from me to be called snobby. No, that is not unloving, and it is not wrong for us to know that Jesus is the only way and to say that he is the only way. Repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. The willingness of God to redeem the lives of sin-wrecked ruins like you and me is an unthinkable gift of grace that we have no right to and that we have no chance of without the intervening act of Jesus Christ to give his life for us. We can cling to that with all we are and never let it go. We don't have to be ashamed. In fact, it's our only hope. Jesus is strong enough to cleanse you. But lastly, Jesus is strong enough to love you. Jesus is strong enough to love you. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Look at this transaction. There's two things I want you to see. First, who is it for? It's not just for those who you might say deserve it. It's not just for the goody two-shoes and the ones who've had family in the church for generations and generations. Who is it particularly for? All who are guys far off. All who are far off. And so today, if you are far off, that puts you in a privileged category. The promise of salvation is for you. If you're praying for someone who is notably far off, then listen, the promise of God is for them. The promise is for you and for your children, all for, who are far off. And also, I want you to look at what this accomplishes. It accomplishes this. Uh, it's for all who the Lord our God calls to himself. If you want to know what this satisfies, what this produces, it produces a reunion and a relationship with God. The call here is not to get fixed. The call here is not to live better. The call here is not to join this church or that church. Although many of these things can be a, a part of the goodness of God, but the call, the call is to draw near to God himself. What is God calling you to? To come home to him. Why? Because he loves you. He did this because he loves you. Every human being has a sense of this. We have the sense, an impulse to draw near to God. The Bible says that he has placed eternity in our hearts. God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. That means we know there's more. We know this is not all there is. We long for something eternal. Secondly, we have the sense that we are far from God. My little dog, Arthur, has this sense a lot of times about me. He's far from me, and it's true, he is, uh, because he does things that are wrong. And I'll wake up in the morning, and <clears throat> I'll come out there. I don't even have to know what he did. I can just watch him, and I can see he's done something bad, right? 
Why? Because he goes all the way to the other corner. He, and he looks at me really weird, right? And if I come over there, if I come near him, he rolls over on his belly like this. Like, I submit, right? I know I did it. Um, and if I go into the kitchen, he goes in the living room. If I go to the living room, he moves around to the hallway, right? He's not going to come near to me. Why? Because he knows there's a burden of guilt on his life. He knows there's a burden of something else for him, too, uh, coming. But uh, he knows there's something wrong. And the wrong thing is that he has done something against the rules of the household. In this case, as human beings, we have this sense. We know that we're far off from God. I'm convinced that a lot of the hellish living a lot of the suicides we see in our world today, uh, a lot of the sorrow and darkness people are living under is, is a, our attempts for them to dampen, to mute, to dull, to suppress this, this impulse, this urge of knowing I need a Savior and I can't get there. I am far off from him and people are delving into drugs and they're cheating on their husbands and wives and they're going their own way, trying anything to just inoculate this feeling that we're lost from God, that there is a creator, that there is a savior, and I can't get to him and I don't know why. The reason, friends, is sin. And God has sent a solution in his son, Jesus Christ. No matter how far off you are, God loves you so much that he did not spare his own son so that he could call you to himself. That's what he wants, to call you to himself. He has the total power here to do that. He wants you to reunite with a, a loving, unfailing relationship with him that no one could ever take away. Are you far off today? Then it's not hopeless because Jesus is strong enough to love you. This Peter who wrote this, this, this uh, sermon that we've looked at today was kind of a misfit this is Peter who denied Jesus three times as Jesus was going to be led to crucifixion and people came and said, hey, didn't you know Jesus? He said, no, I didn't. And the last time he's so frustrated and insistent that he even curses at the lady and says, I did not know him. I don't know Jesus. This is the Peter who cut off someone's ear and got in trouble for it by Jesus. This is the Peter who spoke something uh, that was... Um, uh, condemning and and Jesus said get thee behind me Satan this is Peter who uh, just uh, can't even speak something eloquently can't get the words out he's always messing up he's always fumbling and then we see in this moment we see this man Peter standing up proclaiming the Lord Jesus in power, making one of the most eloquent expositions of Old Testament with New Testament that we've ever seen or known and at his usefulness on this day, 3,000 souls were added to the faith. If Jesus can take that guy and change him into this guy, if by the power of God he can take Peter and fill him with strength and redemption, then he can do that to you. And so when we sing Jesus saves, 
What it means is that Jesus has the power to totally change your circumstances, your life, and your eternity. And only Jesus can do it. So today I ask you the question, are you changed? Are you changed today? Is there evidence in your life that Jesus has saved you? Have you given yourself to him? Have you repented and been baptized for the forgiveness of your sin? Is that a part of your story? If not, it's today's the day to come to Jesus. Why wait a second longer? The question has been answered. He can do it. And if so, I ask you the same question. Are you changed? You say, Matthew, I've given my life to Jesus. I've been baptized in those waters. Are you changed? Is anything new in you? Are you living in a power that you cannot access on your own? It comes from God. As believers in Jesus Christ, we ought to be living supernaturally. Let him change you this morning. Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'll be delighted to offer you a chance to respond to what you've heard today. If you need to be saved, don't let this moment pass by. If you're a Christian, you need to know God better. You need to come back to him. Don't let this moment pass. You can come to Jesus. Praise God that he saves this morning. If you need to come for baptism, we'll stand with you. Or for prayer, we'll be delighted to stay here and, and pray with you or give you a privacy that you need, whatever you need. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for trusting it to us. We thank you, God, that when we were truly and utterly helpless in our sin, you did not leave us that way, but sent forth a Savior to be born and to walk this world and to go to a cruel cross on our behalf, to be raised again in absolute power on the third day, to reign forevermore, to be able to save even to the uttermost those who will draw near to God through him. Thank you, God, for that. I pray today if someone needs a change in their life today, that they would not be too fearful to step out and to say yes to Jesus. I pray if there's someone here who needs help today, that you'll come as a helper. If you need compassion today, that you'll come as a healer, Lord. I pray that you will be present for this moment and change us. Lord, we thank you for all you've done. And we offer this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.